and it's live again. You're listening to another live performance. We'll take on sports Monday morning, October the 26th. It's Halloween week for those of you who are into that stuff. So I really don't care for Halloween or whatever, but it's that week. And then after that, we head into November and the holiday season. But anyway, today's podcast, then there's one. Dodgers, one went away, one undefeated team left in the in the F in the L. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I really appreciate it. Please go to my social media pages on Twitter and Instagram. Follow me. WWN. You can follow me at WWS underscore sports show. If you miss this live and you're listening on demand, whatever platform that you're listening to this podcast on please hit that like follow or subscribe button thank you so much celebrate 100 years of the negro leagues that's what i do every monday gonna bring you a negro league legend and this is all predicated what randy rosarina is doing uh in major league postseason and in the world series he's of cuban descent and i'm gonna bring you a Negro League legend who is also of Cuban descent, Mr. Martin DeHigo. Yes, he played in the Negro Leagues for third for 14 seasons. He was a two-way player. That means he was a pitcher and he played in the field, which he, he played at second base. Negro League stats are really not official, but anyway, the stats that they have um, come up with this young man, Mr. DeHigo. A 307 batting average. 431 hits and 64 home runs but he was extremely impressive behind uh on the mound a 292 era 176 strikeouts that's what they say 26 and 19 record he also served as a player manager for a team called the new york cubans for the negro leagues and he's a two-time negro league all-star selection he actually played for the homestead grays which is one of the most famous um, Negro League teams that a lot of people who know about baseball, they know about the Homestead Grays. But anyway, he was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1977. So today's Negro League legend, Mr. Martin DeHigo. All right, let's get into this. What's going on? BS3 Radio, good morning to you also. Tell me if I'm coming through loud and clear because sometimes this audio be playing with me. It just doesn't work all that well. So. Pay attention, Sonny. Pay attention. Hey, boy. Pay attention to me when I'm talking to you. Gentlemen, you have my curiosity. But now you have my attention. All right. Games and individual performances in sports that got my attention. Of course, I'm going to talk about the World Series. Game three, four, and five. Great games on Friday and Saturday. But yesterday, the Dodgers showed you the strength of their roster, the multiple ways they can beat you. They can manufacture runs like they did early in that ball game, and they can go beat you with the long ball. They got a lot of guys on that team that are just professional hitters. That's just what it comes down to. And finally, Clayton Kershaw in two World Series start in this particular World Series in 2020 looked like the best pitcher in baseball. 
I got to give it to him for once because he just has been awful for the Dodgers in previous World Series games. But this year, um, I, I actually can say he may, he may and could be in consideration for MVP, but I think it'll go to a position player, probably Mookie Betts or Corey Sager or um, Cody Bellinger. This is a just one deep, deep Dodgers team. That's just what it comes down to. Yeah, I know. It's, 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 something's going on with it with as far as the volume. I mean, as far as the audio. So what it is, it's not the user. It's the equipment. I got to get new equipment. That's what it's coming down to. I was afraid that's what it was because I've heard it um, when I do, do playback over the last couple of times. So that's what it comes down to. I just got to get new audio, new interface, rather. But anyway, as far as the World Series, I want to talk about Randy Rosarino. I, I want to. I know I've been hyping this dude up um, for like the last couple of weeks or whatever in regards to to the playoffs. Randy Rosarino has a total of eight career home runs in the regular season. Eight. He's hit nine this postseason. Three already in this World Series. Also, he's just. I don't even understand where this kid came from. But one of the things. I'm not quite understanding, and these guys are professionals. Baseball is the is the major is the analytic sport of analytics. That that's what they are. Why do they keep grooving fastballs to this dude? I don't care if you're behind the count two and one. Don't groove a fastball because he's killing it. He's killing anything over the plate with that fastball. It's just I mean with the fastball. So don't do it if you have to. He's the only guy on that team that can hurt you. And he is he's the reason why they have two wins. So don't the I don't know what the Dodgers are doing is a little bit confusing to me in the way they're pitching him, but they should be pitching him a whole lot better. I mean well di- different anyway. Don't groove fastballs down anywhere on the plate. He's just destroying the ball. Make the rest of those guys beat you because once he gets that home run, even if it's one a game. He gets their offense juiced up. Now, I know there's going to be some people in Tampa, and I've seen this already on social media, that's going to go after the guy that tried to steal home. Your your offense is limited. You can't be mad at a guy trying to make a play. That's what he was trying to do. And I'm a little miffed if that was supposed to be a contact play, a bang-bang play, to where the guy is going to try to make some type of contact while the guy makes his uh, dive towards home. And it didn't look like the – the hitter knew that's what was on because he backed out of the batter's box as the guy was trying to steal on plate. So it may have been the player went on his own, but still, I'm not mad at him. He's trying to make a play. It's the World Series. It's 2-2. They're down one run. So he was trying to do what he needed to do to try to get his team going because they struggle offensively outside of Randy Rosarina. So you can't be mad, I don't think, um, with the guy trying to make a play to help his team win. Got a good jump just, hey. I thought maybe it was supposed to be a bang-bang play, a contact, where the, the hitter makes contact. So he stepped out of the box. I guess that was not the case. So the Dodgers are one win away. The game of the day is not between the two undefeated teams, although I'm going to get into that game between Pittsburgh and uh, Tennessee. That game last night was absolutely nuts. Both teams over 500 yards of offense. Matter of fact, Seattle rushed for over two, uh, 200 yards exactly in that game. But what helped Arizona was Russell Wilson's mistakes. That's unusual for Russ, these uh, 
last couple of games or since the start of the 2020 season. He had a bad game as far as turnovers. Uh, give Arizona credit. They capitalized on it. I want to give DK Metcalf a shout-out because that was that walk down on that goal line interception. Most You don't see that a lot in the NFL. A lot of times when a guy gets that far of the lead, most of the time he's just trotting the other way, whether it's 90-plus yards or not. It's just a touchdown. But it happened. And, uh, yeah, it was. It was absolutely crazy last night. It, I could – I've been critical of Kyler Murray, but I'm going to give him credit because after having only nine completions in the game versus uh, the Dallas Cowboys and Dallas, you're done. Sorry, Ben. You're, you're over. I don't care that division's trash. Your season is over. That, that was a horrific performance by the Cowboys yesterday, but I get it. Injuries, really. That's the name of the game. Health. You got to have health, too. But they should not have lost that game that bad to Washington in my opinion. But back to the game last night. Uh, let me talk about Kyler Murray. He's improved. I ha- I'm, I'm trying to be careful with what, what I'm going to say here because I did not think he would have the success that he's having. He's playing well. But I know this much. If I'm a future opponent <laughs> of the Arizona Cardinals, I double-team DeAndre Hopkins. He is locked in on DeAndre Hopkins. Now, I'm pretty sure there's a guy in Houston right now wish he had that problem, but he doesn't. Uh, he's stuck with Will Fuller, and Will Fuller and Kenny Stills. But Kyler Murray is locked in on DeAndre Hopkins, and that's not an issue really except when he tries to force the ball to him. The touchdown pass was beautiful, nice. It, it, was, it was a great touch throw on the outside shoulder. And Kyler Murray just, I mean, uh, DeAndre Hopkins just had to go in the end zone. So, and it was good coverage by Seattle. It was just a better throw and a better catch. But if I'm a future opponent of Arizona, I would double team DeAndre Hopkins. I would make him throw the ball to Larry Fitzgerald and Kurt. I think that's the kid's name, Christian Kurt. I'd make him throw the ball to those guys. I just wouldn't let DeAndre Hopkins beat me. I'm sorry. And Kyler Murray, for all that speed, that read option is tough with him. But why not just spy? I, I don't understand Seattle's uh, train of thought on the defense end last night. Why just not spy him? You know, and why are guys running past him and just rushing? I thought the, the, the rule of thumb when you're rushing a running quarterback, you stay in your lane. That didn't seem like Seattle was on, under that concept last night. And plus, Seattle's on Seattle's defense – Maybe the reason they don't win a Super Bowl, they have zero pass rush without um, Jadavion Clowney. He's gone. They just don't have any pass rush whatsoever. I think he. I think there was only one sack in that game. Period last night, and it came from Arizona on Russell Wilson. So they that that may be the reason. It won't be. It, well, I'm gonna say last night was not normal for Russ. I don't think you're gonna see that a lot. He grooved the – I mean, he tried to make it an easy catchable bass in the flat, and it got jumped. Got jumped. A good play by Buda Baker. That's the way I look at it. That last one in overtime was questionable. I don't know what he, what he saw in that place because it looked like it was more black shirts where he was trying to throw the ball than that uh, gray shirt he was looking for. But it was incomplete. I mean, it was picked off, and that's how Arizona got the win. So kudos to Arizona. So Seattle falls from the land. Other unbeaten. The team that's the only undefeated undefeated team left, that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh jumped on this team real early. And it looked like Pittsburgh 
was going to uh, give us the revelation about Tennessee that I thought we should get. I didn't think Tennessee was that good because I don't think Ryan Tannehill is that good. I'm going to back off that statement, and I said if he plays well and he's the reason they win, I will say Ryan Tannehill is a very good quarterback right now. They didn't win, but he played well. Ryan Tannehill was – he stepped up big time yesterday because the Steelers were determined to not let Derrick Henry beat them. But give credit to A.J. Brown, the Davis kid, and uh, Ryan Tannehill for playing – a very good game. And Ben Roethlisberger, just like Russell, he almost he nearly threw that game away. Ben, uh, ben Roethlisberger did. I think he had three interceptions also in that game. Tennessee, is they're, they're a good team. They are a good team. They, are, they, they, too, are shaky on the defensive side of the ball, especially in the secondary, even with Malcolm Butler back there. They're, they're still shaky. Pittsburgh, undefeated team, last one left. They're not the best team in the American Football Conference. Now, I know they're the last undefeated team, but they're not. The best football team in the American Football Conference and in the N, the F, and the L is Kansas City. That's the best team. Kansas City can beat you running the ball. They can beat you with bubble screens. They can beat you throwing the ball deep. They got the best quarterback in the league, and their defense – I'm not taking that away because they played against Drew Locke yesterday. But anyway, that's the best team in the league. The second best team in the league, as I'm looking up at the four letter right now, as we're 15 minutes past 7 o'clock, is Tampa. Tampa could be the first team in history of the Super Bowl to play a home game in their stadium for the Super Bowl. And then they sign, then, then they sign Antonio Brown. Interesting. You already got Godwin, Evans, Gronkowski, and then you got Rojo in the backfield, Ronald Jones in the backfield. You got Fournette. As great as Tampa's offense is and Tom Brady's kind of cheating father time a little bit here, he's playing well, their defense is scary. Tampa, I know, not Oakland, Las Vegas, they had their issues with COVID. That may have had something to do with the fact that that they just look, they didn't look really prepared. I noted that they got the clearance for the other four offensive linemen um, yesterday uh, in the morning on Sunday. So that may have something to do with it. But I don't even think it really would have mattered much because I don't know what the world's going on with Dominican, with Dominican Sue. Because the years he was with the Dolphins and he was one of the highest paid darn defense linemen, he did zero for the Dolphins. Let's up getting the fights or piss off other team, or run defenses uh, contradicting whatever was called. He just did whatever he wanted to. That was one of the problems the Dolphins had with him. But they paid him so much money, they really couldn't do anything. They had to get some out of that investment. But anyway, the Dominican Sioux is playing well. I'm stunned. I thought he was done. I thought he was done when he left the Dolphins. But he's playing, he's playing well. JPP's playing well. Minus two fingers. Is it two fingers or one? Anyway, um... They got the kid buried on the other side. And I think this could this may be debatable. This is just my opinion. I think they got the fastest two linebackers in the league in White and David. That's re- White closed on um Derek Carr so quick in that game when he got out of that pocket. I that was I was like, he's it's 
unfair for a linebacker to be that fast. They have a solid front seven, and I think that would be the reason they win the Super Bowl or at least go to the Super Bowl. I'm going to definitely – yeah, they got better. They got a whole lot better. They are – they're a tough squad, man. They, they're going to be tough. And you, Tom Brady just got weapons everywhere. Just how are you going to stop this team? If they play Seattle, they should be able to beat Seattle because Seattle plays – they don't really play any defense anyway. But the Bucks are going to be tough. Wouldn't it be crazy to have a Tampa Bay-Kansas City Super Bowl? It'd be kind of like a passing of the torch in a way if you think about it because Tom Brady's been the face of the NFL for a long time. Patrick Mahomes, he's on his way. If he's not the face of the NFL, he's on his way to being the face of the NFL. What a Super Bowl that would be. Kansas City versus Tampa. Tom Brady versus Pat Mahomes. That would be crazy. I think that I think that could be the highest scoring Super Bowl <laughs> in a long time. In my opinion, both the teams' offenses are very dominant. So it's just going to come down to which defense makes the most stops, if that's the Super Bowl. But I, I like that matchup. But Tampa Bay is a, is a very good team. OBJ got hurt yesterday uh, for Cleveland. I'm going to call this guy's name. I'm not going to be ugly today. I'm in a better mood. I feel better. Baker Mayfield played well against Cincinnati. Now, let me explain this a little bit. In the two games between Cincinnati and Cleveland, both of these games have been absolutely lopsided. I mean, not lopsided. They've been high scoring. So, Baker Mayfield's had some of his best games playing against Cincinnati. That's all I'm going to say right there. I'm going to leave that right there. He's played his best games against Cincinnati. And yesterday he played well, although OBJ went out of that game very early. Maybe he should play Cincinnati more often. Maybe that'll help him look like the number one overall pick that he uh, that he is. But and a guy that I'm I like a lot, Joe Burrow, because he has really he just really gets pounded every week because his offensive line isn't good, which is why I'm worried about the Dolphins starting um, tour next week against Aaron Donald and them and them dudes. But anyway, Joe Burrow's getting he's getting absolutely beat beat up but he's hanging in there he's playing he's doing what he can to put his team in position to win ball games despite the pounding that he's taking Joe Burrow's the number one overall pick but the quarterback that's playing the best out of that draft class between those three guys that was picked in the top 10 or within the first six picks Justin Herbert last season when he was at Oregon I wanted Justin Herbert I did not want the Dolphins to pick Tua. I thought Justin Herbert looked the part of a quarterback. He had the size and the arm strength. Now, the people who get paid to make those calls and to scout these players, they said, no, 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 no. Tua's the better player. Um, He's more accurate. They've never seen anybody with quite that accuracy, and that's what's going to help him on the next level. I don't think his arm is that strong for Tua. That's just Will's opinion. I like Justin Herbert. I like Justin Herbert last year, and what he's doing this season is really, really good. Yeah, he's he looks solid. But what's helping? You know what's helping Justin Herbert? Justin Herbert, and I think this is what Tua's going to see see when he uh, starts his first game next week. The defensive coordinators are helping him because they're blitzing. 
And then on top of that, he's got Keenan Allen. <laughs> he's got one of the top receivers in the game. You blitz him, and he has a guy who can beat one-on-one defense. Now, I just talked about uh, Kyler Murray being locked on a D-hop. Justin Herbert is locked in on Keenan Allen, and he should be. He's one of the top uh, wide receivers in the game. But defenses are helping Justin Herbert a lot because they're blitzing him. Why not throw the ball in the direction of Keaton Allen? Now, I'm not saying I'm not giving all the credit to Keaton Allen. I'm just saying because Justin Herbert's making the right call. He's making the right play and doing that. But you're helping them when you blitz. They've been, this league has told me, the fan, you, the fan, for the longest. One of the hardest things for these rookies to do is understand the, the complex coverages of the NFL. You may get one read at 15 seconds, and then when under 15 seconds, the defense may give you a totally different read, or they'll look like it's all-out pressure, then they'll bail on you and give you a cover one or robber or cover two look. They'll, they'll give you that. So it's supposed to be so confusing uh, for a rookie quarterback in the NFL. Well, if it's a 707 concept, which is really – what it comes down to, if you're playing band to man, they've been playing seven on seven, probably Justin Herbert, since he was 14 years old. So it's one on one coverage. He doesn't have to read anything. It's nothing. It's, there's nothing to read except for sliding his protection, making sure that the running back stays in the block, if that's the case, and get the ball in the direction of Keenan Allen. The defenses are helping him tremendously. And he played a very good game yesterday, although Jacksonville stinks. They've lost six in a row after winning that very first game. But anyway, still, they helped them. And then the, the question is, will Doug Marone uh, survive the season? Changing coaches isn't going to help ex-Atlanta. That's not going to help Jacksonville. You're just not a very talented team. You traded every, you traded everyone away. Everyone's gone. You had, Jay, you had a team that was in the AFC Conference game uh, a couple of seasons ago. And – you were up on the Wingland late with Blake Broyles as your quarterback. And since that loss, Jacksonville has done nothing. There's been disharmony um, with Tom Coughlin and the players, with his crazy rules. The most, one of the most professional guys in the NFL had problems with Tom Coughlin. That's Calais Campbell. He had problems with him. I get Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey can be an acquired taste. <laughs> put it mildly i understand that but you got rid of one of your top pass rushers he's gone leonard fournette another one maybe an acquired taste i get it i understand but yet and behold this dude you let him go you signed nick Foles, which made no sense to me because you know this i know this nick Foles is not a full-time starting quarterback in the nfl he's not he's a spot guy He's Ryan Fitzpatrick. They're the same people. I mean, the same player. That's what they are. Nothing, nothing against them, but they can come in for short spurts and give you good performances. But if you ask them to do it over a course of a season, it don't work out so well. In this, and that's what it is. Now, in Ryan Fitzpatrick's case, because the Dolphins are three and three, and the Patriots stink this year, I would like to. I would have liked to have seen Ryan Fitzpatrick stay at quarterback because I think he gives the Dolphins the best chance to compete for maybe a wild card spot. But Brian Flores and Chris Greer made the uh, pick for a tour. So they got to get their investment. Why not throw the kid in? Because we know Ryan Fitzpatrick will not be the starting quarterback next year. 
Okay. To me, I don't agree with it. Again, your offensive line is trash. But, hey, they they know what they see in practice. They know what they want to do. I know this much. He better be running a lot of boots, a lot of moving the pocket, because if he stands in the pocket with that offensive line, you're going to find out whether he's fragile or not. He's going to get creamed behind that offensive line. They better be doing some waggles and moving the pocket, doing all and running hot potato out of his hand. Like these like the new phenomenon that's going on in the NFL. I see guys coming in motion. The quarterback gets the ball and just taps it forward. I better see a lot of that with the Dolphins. They got two guys that can do it. They got Jakeen Grant and Isaiah Ford. Just do that a lot. And and run bubble screens or whatever. Just don't let him hold the ball, which is his knock from the scouts. They say he holds on to the ball too long, trying to make a play. He better not do that next Sunday. That that won't work. He will get creamed if he does that. So hopefully they work on what they need. They had the off week to do what they uh, need to do to get the game plan in. All right, let's see what else. Uh, another NFL game. It was on my mind. I'm waiting on the uh, update. It was a pretty good game yesterday that I missed out on. That, oh, Atlanta and Detroit. I live in Atlanta. My lady's a Atlanta Falcons fan, and she's listening. Hopefully, she's not. They got yeah, school's in, so she got to be in the classroom. So she won't hear this. She'll hear this later. The Falcons stink, flat out stink. <laughs> That's just what it comes down to. They are the worst. <laughs> they are the worst. It doesn't matter the coaches. They blow leads under Dan Quinn. They blow leads under uh, Raheem Morris. And for everybody that's giving Tart Gurley stink, Thomas, like, well, he should have fell down. They did, the clock would have ran low. Then they gave Atlanta the last play of the game to, to get the opportunity to win. Listen, yes, he scored the touchdown, but the defense had a chance to stop them. It was a minute and four seconds on the clock. They had one timeout in Detroit, and they went down the field. Down the field in a minute and four seconds and won the game as time expired. Big time play by. Exactly. That's my point, Ben. They needed to play defense. You cannot blame Todd Gurley. Thank you. I'm, I've been on this since I like to watch. I like to be on Twitter doing football games. And the Falcons fans are just going nuts. And, Smitty, if you're listening to me, it was not Todd Gurley's fault. It was not his fault. So what he scored, you needed to score anyway, but your defense should have. They had one timeout. They were even throwing the ball across the middle. That's the thing that's baffling, that I'm, you can't be mad. And another thing, tell your doggone owner to stay in his box. <laughs> tell Hart, every time he comes onto the field trying to celebrate prematurely, they lose. Tell him to stay up there until the clock say zero. Don't come down early. Stay Every time Arthur Blankets come to the sideline late in a ball game, uh, they've lost in, in close tight ball games. I don't know if it's a bad omen. I don't believe in bad or good luck and all that type of stuff. I believe you make your own luck. But still, Lee, he needs to not come down on the field anymore in late close games expecting a win because that did not work out. And here's the other thing. How in the heck does the tight end start on one side then he cuts all the way across. No one followed him. Two linebackers in the area. No one followed him. Now, maybe their eyes may have been fixed on what was going on in, in the pocket because it looked like Stafford was going to get sacked. 
He escaped. He stepped up. And the tight end, right behind two linebackers, two linebackers just drifted to the one place that was open in the end zone. Seven, seven defenders in the end zone, four receivers, 11 people in the end zone, and the tight end found the only spot that was open to get that pass with no time on the clock. Atlanta loses. Still, I say that Dallas loss was the worst loss of their season. Clearly, this is very disappointing to Falcons fans. Again, the Falcon fan I'm living with, I've never seen her that upset at a football game because she's not that passionate about it. But she was clearly upset yesterday because she was like, how can they keep losing like this? Easy. You guys stink. Simple. You're not the worst team in the league. That goes to Dallas. Sorry, man. But Atlanta, it's just not a very good football team. I don't care who's the who's the coach or the interim coach. It's just not you're not a good team. And another team that's not very good, the Houston Texans. I need Houston to keep losing because the Dolphins have their first and second round pick. I love it. I absolutely love it. That's 30 minutes. That's my time. I did not get a chance to get into the Premier League this week. Um, real quick, Manchester City dropped another two points. We lose again. For those of you that Manchester City fans that listen to this show, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. We're not winning in the league this year. It's not happening. Can't finish. We we, we can't finish. And in, and in games we should finish or we do finish, we can't stop nobody. It's not the same. It's not the same of the years where we won three in a row. Got hey, spending the money to get top players, they're in position. They're just not making plays. It, that's what it boils down to. It's that simple. Congratulations um, to the LAFC beating the LA Galaxy uh, in their derby out there or in their rivalry out there in LA. LAFC. Philadelphia Union MLS final that would be the ideal final but like a lot of things in sports sometimes things don't go the way you anticipate it is what it is I close the show the same way every single time say a prayer for somebody because prayer changes things Ahala, be safe be easy remember voting's next week vote vote very key be safe <laughs>